Today is a day that uh, mothers around the world will be celebrated. For many moms, sticky-fingered coffee mugs will arrive at their bedside with a breakfast fit for a queen, even if that queen has to use her imagination and convince her taste buds not to revolt uh, with the gift. Misspelled cards of, homemade, of a homemade variety will accompany slobbery kisses, perhaps even a day off from chores or fixing a meal, chores around the house, things taken care of, dad's older kids, hint, hint. But for others, today there will be no cards. For many women, today is a hard day. Family forgetfulness, crisis. For many women, it's a hard day because it's a reminder of lost dreams and lost hopes. Maybe a mother far away or a mother lost, a mom never to be, a mom never known. Every celebration in presence and platitudes will today stab uh, others with torment and pain. So today, knowing that there is joy, that there is happiness, that there is sadness, that there is the deepest pain, that there is the greatest exuberation, today we want to honor Mother's Day, honor mothers. Uh, and from whether it's joyous, whether it's painful, we want to recognize that motherhood, mothers, is a gift from our Father. And note, that alone should be celebrated. As we do that, would you join me in prayer? Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you that we have an opportunity today to recognize a joy worth celebrating, a gift worth celebrating, that being mothers. Holy God, today let us honor uh, the gift of life that, that, come through the pain, that came through the pains of childbirth from mothers. God, allow us to bask in memories of joy and, uh, and even when tears get in the way. God, allow us to celebrate the friends that we have because their mothers gave them life. God, allow us to rejoice with mothers. God, allow us today to grieve with mothers. God, allow us to delight with those who are mothers, uh, and whether they, are, whether they mother children who are their own or children from across the street or in, this, in our church facility as we speak. God, allow us to be able to give smiles and hugs and gifts and words of, and acts of service and kindness. And God, and if it's too hard, if it's too painful, give us a loving strength to be honest with our pain. If, if it's too hard, if it's too painful, too soon, God, allow us still to be able to recognize that the gift of mothers is a gift from you. And God, we pray that in everything, whether our mother was the best on the planet or whether we are left craving that in, er in that area, that all relationships are to point us to you. And God, we pray that today that we are able where possible, to celebrate and to remember and to rejoice in the gift of motherhood. God, we love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. I encourage you to turn, if you haven't already, uh, to 2 Peter chapter 1. And while you're turning there, whether on your phone or getting your device uh, to the right spot, I want to just remind you or let you know of a few things uh, that are coming up. It seems that life in ministry goes in cycles, and for a while, uh, our staff was in hard, uh, it was in overdrive, and our volunteer teams were in overdrive. And then after Easter, we got to catch our breath for just a little bit. And then starting last week with the, 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 the lock-in uh, for Scott, it picked back up into high speed again, and it is for the next couple of months. There are several things that we just want to draw your attention to. Uh, the first is on, uh, on May the 29th. 
Um, we are going to have a Discover FBCW after this service. If you have been visiting for a while, if you are not a member here, if you've been thinking about baptism or salvation, you have questions about why we do things the way we do or how we do things, why we do things, we encourage you to attend this. Uh, it's an informal luncheon. The food will be great. You'll get to, uh, get to um, just talk with some of our leaders on staff and not on staff uh, who help us run things around here. Um, ask questions, just learn a little bit more about the ins and out of FBCW. So May the 29th, um, we encourage you uh, to come and to learn more about this church and her ministries as we strive to fill out the Great Commission in all that we do. That's May 29th. On June the 5th, we are going to have a baby dedication. So if you have a, a child uh, that's, uh, that has not been dedicated since the last time that we had a baby dedication, this is open to you. Um, and there really is no age restriction on that. Uh, other, other than Marcia, it might be hard for you to hold Chad uh, if you were to, to dedicate him uh, on that Sunday. Um, but there's, if you are interested in baby dedication, we encourage you to go online and register for that. Um, this We recognize that there is no saving effect in a baby dedication. But what it is, is the church standing before our new parents and parents standing before their faith family and saying, we are in this together, and we commit to, to raising up this child in training and admonition of our Savior. So if you would like to participate in that, uh, that is on June the 5th, and then June the 10th, 11th, and 12th is our family camp. There is something this weekend for everybody. It starts on Friday evening uh, with uh, dinner around a campfire. It's at Parchment Valley, which is just about 30 minutes south on, on uh, 77. Come out and spend the weekend with us or part of the weekend with us, Friday evening through Sunday afternoon. Uh, you can camp in a tent, in a camper, or you can camp in a hotel room right there on the site. Uh, so however, whatever, wherever you fall into that camping is me or not me uh, range, there's something for you. Uh, there's something for the entire family. Uh, there'll be time where kiddos are off doing their own thing, uh, and mom and dad can relax and participate in something, a Bible study. I have a good friend who's coming down from Louisville, Ohio, who's going to lead us in study and around the campfire that weekend on the theme of Better Together. Um, Saturday, there'll be some time of structured things and then some free time. Uh, there'll be painting class for, uh, for those who would want to participate in that. There'll be an archery exhibition and able to participate in that. Pool will be open. There's lakes where you can go fishing, uh, ponds where you can go fishing, all types of things that weekend. Even if you do not come down on Friday and or Saturday, and we encourage you to, we want to be together as a faith family that weekend, we are strongly encouraging everybody to come down on Sunday morning. Um, we will have something offered here, but it will not be what we are experiencing today. It will be very minimal on that Sunday morning here at, on this, at this facility. So we encourage you, even if you're coming down on Sunday morning, to, to drive the half hour for Bible study. We'll give you the time for that. Worship at 1015, uh, hopefully outside in, in a beautiful surrounding. So mark that on your calendar. If you have any questions, please see Scott, see Gretchen, see myself, see Jennifer, see anybody on staff so that we can get you signed up for that. Registration for all three things that we've talked about are online. Uh, so please uh, participate in, in any and all of those things. But we are looking forward to family camp this year. 2 Timothy chapter 1. We read a part of it to start off. 
Scott read part of it uh, as we focused on communion. But repetition is a good thing. So we're going to read it again. We're going to start in verse number 5 this time and read down through verse number 14. The title of today's message is A Faith That First Dwelt. First, 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse number 5. Paul writes these, these words. I am, re- I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I am appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher. This is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. I hope you read those words many more times in the coming days and weeks. Just an awesome reminder, or maybe today, an awesome picture for the first time of all that we have in Jesus Christ. Today, this message is for you. If you are a mother who has little ones under her care, younger ones under her care, whether that younger is 5, 15, or 51, this is for you. If you are a dad as you are leading your family, if you are a grandfather or a grandmother, this message is for you. If you are a part of a care group or you volunteer in Upstreet or King's Crossing or the Summit, this message is for you. And since you've just heard Pastor Scott talk for two weeks about this meshing of discipleship and missions, and that if you are a Christian and you are a disciple and a discipler, this message is for you. And because we are all chasing after the same Jesus, and if you've put your faith in Him, thinking about putting your faith in Him, or you haven't yet made that surrender to Him, This message is for you as you grow in your faith, as you take hold of the gift that's been given to us, as we grow to maturity in our faith. This message is for you. I want to notice, I want you just to notice three things. They they, they start off in this first block, and then they sort of, they, they go clear throughout the rest of this section that we have read a couple times today. That first section that starts in in verse number five, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I am reminded to fan 
into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. The first thing that I want you to just to notice here is this connection between faith and what Paul, how Paul refers to it as a gift from God. Faith is a gift from God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, but so that no one may boast, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We spend a lot of time in that section of scriptures trying to figure out what the gift is. Is the gift faith? Is it the ability to believe? Is it grace? Is it salvation? And we spent a lot of time like, okay, what is Paul talking about in these verses when he's talking about gift? And we try to pinpoint it to one thing and say, here is the gift, and everything else sort of flows out from that. I wish that we could go back to our ancient brothers and sisters and read this scripture through the same lens, through the same language even, that they read. Because where we try to make this an either or, they would say, you guys are missing the point. This is a both and. All of those things that were mentioned in Ephesians or in 2 Timothy are gifts from God. The ability to believe is a gift from God. Belief is a gift from God. The grace is a gift from God. Salvation is a gift from God. All of those are precious gifts given to us by our Creator, by our Redeemer. And that's what Paul was referring to here. Notice how he refers to this belief, this faith. It is a gift. It's a gift. It's not even a reward. A reward is something that you've worked for, that you've earned, a gift. You don't have to do anything to be given a gift. It is the, it is the sole choice of the giver to give you a gift. You did nothing. You have to do nothing to deserve this gift. God freely gave it to you when he sent his son to this earth to live, to die, to be resurrected for you. It is a gift from God. The second thing that I would ask you to just, to just notice is the, the progression here. It's a faith that dwelt first in your mom and in your grandma. And now I'm sure dwells in you also. Why, how can Paul say that? Because he spent time with Timothy. He's been able to see Timothy um, take hold of this faith and grow this faith. It's not because Lois and Eunice had a faith that Timothy was safe. Did that help? Oh, absolutely. But it's only because Timothy took a hold of that faith that was passed on that he is now a follower, a laborer in the kingdom. You guys have heard me talk on and on and on. Probably, you're probably past tired of it, but how I appreciate the faith legacy that was given to me. How that, my, that God got my Grandpa Foreman's attention at a low point in his life, and that, that that faith that was given as a gift was then fanned into flame, which, we'll get to, um, uh, which we will get to in, in a second, so that he became a giant in the faith to me. How he and my Grandma Foreman then passed that, that faith off to their, their 
children. And part of that, my dad, Brian, and mom, Joyce, passed that on to me and my sisters. And now I pray daily that that faith is continuing to be passed down to Chamberlain and to Kendrick, to Carrington and to Kennedy, to their spouses, to their children, as our family continues to grow. But my grandpa Foreman's faith did not save me. Just because my dad is a believer, because he loves Jesus, because he has surrendered to Christ, that does not save me. Right? Faith can trickle down, but that trickling down does not change my life unless I take hold of the gift that is given to me. Just because dad was a good man, because grandpa was an elder in the church, because mom taught Sunday school, because grandma would take pie or bread to anybody new in the, in the community or in the church, because they love Jesus, because of their love for Jesus, their love does not save me. I have to take hold of the gift that is given to me. I have to unwrap it, and then, as we see here, we have to fan into flame. After that gift has been given to us, uh, Paul encourages Timothy to fan into flame through the Spirit. I'm going to ask right now that you guys pray for me this coming week. Next Sunday, we're, 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 I'm preaching about a topic that the church does not like to hear about. Preachers don't like to preach about it because of the pushback they're afraid that they may get. But it's this intersection between the sin-conquering work of Jesus on the cross and the sin-killing work of the Christian through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we see right here in, in more tender words from Paul, fan into flame. So that story that we heard about in Sunday school at VBS that mom or dad or grandma and grandpa read to us or prayed to us when we were little and that caused this ember to ignite, this ember of faith that is, while hot, is small, Paul is saying here, fan that flame. Allow it to grow, allow it to spread, allow it to grow like a wildfire in your life. Spread this flame throughout. We, we reread and reread verses 5 through 7. And I pray that when we read 5 through 7 about what this, this spirit that God gave us, about this gift that God gave us, I pray that we never then read the rest of this section in just a mundane, monotone, unemotional way. Because Paul is saying here, because you have all of this, right, in verse number 8, since you have all of this, he uses the word therefore, Therefore, since you have all of this, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us, right, as if before wasn't enough, now he's reminding us again, who saved us and called us into holy, a holy calling, not because of our works, not because of us, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus. Before, before the ages began, before Tony Foreman was even a, a thought in the Foreman family, right? before all of that, God set this in motion and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ Jesus, who abolished death. 
not just diminished death, not just reduced its power or its pains, he abolished it and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard me until that day, what, he has, been, what has been entrusted to me. So, Timothy, follow the pattern of sound words that you've heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. I hope that you'll go back and that you'll reread this, and you'll reread it again and again, and you'll see those three themes, those three items, as they reappear as you read, continue reading all throughout this letter. Even go back to 1 Timothy, because this idea of a good deposit that's entrusted to you, that's something that he wrote in the first letter that he sent to this mentee of his, this young Timothy who's joining him in, in gospel ministry. Go back and read. And when you get to verse... And when you get to verse number eight, you got to turn up the volume a little bit. You got to turn up the excitement a little bit because God has gifted you with something amazing and something powerful, something eternal. In the last few minutes that we have together today, I just want to give you some takeaways. Some, this is where life happens, takeaways. Some things that we can take as we strive to to better disciple and and raise up those around us, or even to raise up our own maturity in Christ Jesus. Taking what we have read in 2 Peter chapter 1, I would encourage you with these takeaways. The first one, take the lead. Be the initiator. Don't wait for someone else to pick up the ball and run with it. When it comes to the discipleship, to the training, to the teaching, to the equipping of those entrusted to your care, whether that's your children or grandchildren, whether that's those in your Sunday school class, take the lead. Parents, don't relegate to the church what you were called to do as parents. Be the initiator. Take the lead. Christian. Don't wait for somebody else to pour into you. Take the lead, even in your own development. Don't let King's Crossing parent or Team Kid or Upstreet do what you were charged to do as a parent. Parents, don't let Summit, middle school, high school ministry take over what you were designed and called to do as a parent. Those ministries were called to come alongside you to help you in that, not to take your place. Take the lead. Second thing, start with eternity in mind and work backward. A lot of times we don't know where we're headed, so we don't know how to get there. Just came back from a conference and I had to laugh at the illustration that one of the speakers gave. He said, don't be like Christopher Columbus in your ministry, in your discipleship. Christopher Columbus did not have a really good idea of where he was going when he headed out from Spain. And when he got there, he didn't know where he was. And when he got back home, he didn't know where he'd been. A lot of us treat our discipleship journey like that. Right? Don't leave things to chance. Right? Don't, don't teach with the end in mind. When you know where you want to go, it's much, much easier to get there. Be like your Savior. 
who we read, read about in Hebrews, for the joy set before him. We've said it many times. He was not having a good day on the cross, but he knew what was coming next. He had his goal, his end in mind. He had eternity in mind. He was able to endure everything that happened to him because he knew what the end held. We have to have that same mindset as well. The third thing that I would say is be intentional. Don't trust eternity to accidents. Have you, you've probably seen either on Facebook or maybe you're sitting at a stoplight and the person in front of you has a bumper sticker that says something like, failure to plan is planning to fail. Right? Don't leave eternity to accidents. Be careful in how you operate. Parents of, of kiddos, just for a second, I want to be like real honest with you gut-level honest, blunt with you. Be so careful when you have little kids who are getting involved in all kinds of things that, that, you, that you accommodate everything that you can because you want to give the best opportunities and best range of experience to your children. And that we'll just step away from church for a little bit. And then we'll step back in. You might be able to handle that because you're more mature in your faith, you, you have this grounding and you know, but when you pull your family away for a season, not only are you creating confusion, you are opening the door for something to take precedence and prime, primal, uh, prime spot in your children's heart. Be careful when you take a break from faith, from God, from church, to allow your children to have uh, opportunities in other areas. Too many people look back on those, opportun- those, those decisions to step away and said, man, I'd wish we wouldn't have done that. Please be intentional with your discipleship for those entrusted to you and for yourself as well. Let's learn f- from the Word of God about people of God in the Old Testament if you read in the book of Judges and you see this, and in Joshua, you see this phrase um, and this, this, this slide away from God happen. And then you read this eerie verse at the beginning of Judges in the second chapter. There arose a generation who did not know the Lord. Arising, or there arose, isn't the flip of a light switch. This isn't something that happened overnight. It was generation and generation forgetting Deuteronomy 6 to talk about the things of God wherever you are. It was the people of Israel turning their back little by little on the God who had brought them out of Egypt across the Red Sea and into the promise, on their way to the promised land. Don't lose focus of where you are going. Don't leave things to accident. We love to complain about the state of the world that we live in right now. Guess what? The state of the world that we live in right now, the state of the church that we live in right now, wasn't a light switch event. It was good yesterday, stinks today. No, it took time. And you know who is to blame for that? We are. We have taken our focus off of what is most important. We have allowed accident to rule rather than being intentional. Right? That today, let us 
be the generation that's going to return our focus, the focus of our family and our children, our church, and who knows, our city, our states, our country, back to our Savior. Be intentional. Don't trust something as important as eternity to accident. Next thing, value the eternal over the finite. Guys, think about this for a second. Right? We evaluate and we research everything. If you're going to buy a new car, you go to Consumer Reports, you talk to a buddy who knows more about it than you do, you research, research, research. If you're going to put a, a new roof on your house, you, you go, you know, how many, uh, what can I afford and how can I, what, what, what quality do I need to put on top of my house so that I never have to do this again in my lifetime? We research Right? When we're buying a car, how many miles per gallon does it get? When we want new carpeting, new flooring, right? uh, we, we research, we research, right? We, do, we research everything, we evaluate everything to the hundredth degree, except too often, eternity. We don't, eval- we don't value what's eternal even more, as much as we value what's going to end. That car, that flooring, that roof, that house, that education, that vacation, eventually everything's going to crumble. It's going to be forgotten. Eternity is forever. Value the eternal over the finite. Be honest about what matters the most. And then paint a full picture of success. Don't adopt, don't adopt the world's version of success. The scripture is full of verses like, choose you this day who you will follow. They will know that you are my disciples if you, you cannot serve two masters. Parents and grandparents, it doesn't matter if your child makes it to the MLB, the MLS, the NFL, the NBA, the USFL, NCAA D3, D1, D2. It doesn't matter if your child is a Rhodes Scholar and gains a full ride to the best school in the country. It doesn't matter if they go to Juilliard or the most prestigious art school. It doesn't matter if your child becomes a defender of the oppressed, makes millions of dollars, cures cancer, leads local state governor, uh, local, state, or international and national government. If, Matthew chapter 16, verse 26 they lose their own soul. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? Paint for your family a full picture of success. Base it off of this and not what the world tries to define success as. The next thing, as you are painting that full picture, as you are relying on this, stand on this. How many of you remember when you were itty-bitty, going to VBS, going to Sunday school, Mike, whether you were drugged there or not? How many of you remember? The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. And then if you're really full of the Spirit you, and you're really looking forward to the red Kool-Aid and the fake Oreos afterwards, you, you put an exclamation on that with a Bible at the end. Guys, what if we return to the faith of a child? What if we return to what we sang, the truth that we sang as a child, and stood alone on this? Stand on the Word of God. Now, If you will go to my office, 
If you go to Scott's office, both here and at our homes, you might scratch your head and wonder if we had book issues. We love to read. And I know many of you guys, because we recommend stuff to each other. We love to read stuff from godly people, good stuff that we trust, from people we trust. But guess what? Those are just people. Don't go there before you go here. Don't read more out there than you read in here. Let this be the foundation that you are building everything on. If you find somebody out there that you agree with 100% of the time and you just can't wait to read their next book and like you're pre-ordering it on Amazon even though it doesn't come out until 2025, guess what? You have just found the God that you are chasing after. Stand on Scripture alone. Use all those other things as resources, but stand on Scripture And finally, church, recognize the source. All good things come from God. Next week, we're going to be talking about holiness. It's a tough thing to talk about when you get serious about it. It's easy just to read past some verses in Scripture, but it's a tough thing. It's a hard thing to read about. We need to remember that the God that we worship, the God that we serve, the God that we belong to is holy. Do you know what that means? He is holy in the, the, the most true sense of the word. He cannot sin. He is incapable of sinning, which means that he can't sin against us. Every good thing comes from him. Sometimes good things are, 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 masquer- are masqueraded as, as tough times in, in life. But when life gets tough, when, when it seems that evil is attacking, remember, our God is holy and He cannot sin against us. He cannot go against His, His nature. More about that last week, but remember where everything good comes from. If we go take all this back to Ephesians chapter 2 that we read and 2 Timothy chapter 1 that we've read several times, I hope that you let the fact that salvation and faith and grace is a gift from God be good news to you. Good news because you don't have to have it all together to get it. It is a gift from God. You don't have to be good enough. You just have to be where God wants you to be. And where that is, is in a position where your arms are outstretched, in a place of being ready to admit, I have done a beautiful job of screwing up my life royally. I need you to come and to be the king, the master, the ruler of my life. He needs you with your arms outstretched, your imperfect arms outstretched, ready to receive the gift that he has for you. You just have to be where God wants you to be. Don't leave your eternity to chance. Put it in the arms, the hands of a Savior. Put all things in eternal perspective We serve the eternal God, eternal past, eternal present. As a believer, you are in His hands. Let eternity rule your definition of success. When we breathe our last breath here, we only have two options for where we spend eternity, heaven and hell. Because Jesus came and died and gives you the opportunity to believe in Him, surrender to Him, you have the option of choosing where you spend eternity. 
and let God's Word rule. Recognize the source of where all good things come from. You only need to realize that you are here, that you only have to be capable to accept a gift. For God so loved the world that He sent His Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have eternal life. Today, there will be all kinds of gifts exchanged toward our mothers. Today, God offers us a gift that far surpasses anything that we can give to each other, and it is there for you freely. If you feel that push, that encouragement, that yearning today, that's His Spirit working on you. Don't resist any longer, but put your faith in Him through surrender to the King who loves you enough to die for you.